0: Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. Glad to see you're all here today. My name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor here. And when I was a kid, I used to be in uh, a traveling ministry. We'd go around to different churches to to do programs for kids. And one time we were traveling in the state uh, on tour. And so since we're on tour, we're traveling. And uh, we're in a big bus. All the equipment and all the kids in the ministry and the program were on this bus together. And we stopped at a gas station to refill the bus. It was late at night, middle of nowhere, gas station. And I had a little bit of cash in my pocket that my mom gave me for some treats at the gas station. And what I really wanted was one of those hot chocolates that you push the button. And um, I don't know what, how they make it, but, you know, f- hot, frothy hot chocolate comes out. And um, I w- it was t- the machine was taking a long time, and I realized everyone else was getting back on the bus. And I was thinking like, no, I really want this drink. And I'm like, I spent my money on it, and so I'm waiting, I'm just tinkering around with this, ga- this broken gas station hot chocolate machine in the middle of nowhere, and the bus leaves. They left. And uh, I think I was probably about 12 years old. My-, my daughter is 11, it's about her age. And so I'm left in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere with a gas station. The only person that I can see is the guy behind the counter. Don't know if I can trust him or not. And so I thought, man, there's a, there, uh, I, I locked onto that goal pretty hard. And even though I could tell that people were leaving, I, I, I found myself in a pretty awful predicament. I was like, oh man, I just, I just gotta have this thing. So it wasn't until miles down the road, one of my friends, and by the way, this was like no cell phones, and I had already spent my money on the hot chocolate, so I couldn't use the pay phone. And um, since I was like kind of timid and like shy, I didn't wanna, I just like hid behind the gas station outside. Finally, someone, one of my friends said, hey, where's Bruce? And then they slammed on the brakes and put it in reverse. And um, I don't know if they ever told my parents about that or not, but I thought, you know what, this is, uh," that's a good example of a time when I locked onto a desire didn't really think about the potential consequences. I just, I just wanted what I wanted so bad. I just had to have it, and I was blind to everything else. It was, there's, there's other times that I just blindly lock onto a desire. Sometimes I just got to have coffee. It's like it's actually converted from hot chocolate to coffee now. Um, or, you know, times like, man, I'm just like looking for that car. I just that I gotta have that particular car, or I lock onto the goal of, of sleep. I just I don't care about what anybody else is thinking or. Man, I just, I, I have to go on that trip. I need to have that experience. I, I really have to spend time with that person. There's a lot of times in my life when I've just stopped thinking about the impact of my decision. It's not, it's not like I factor in the consequences. And go, it's like I'm just not even thinking about the consequences. And um, in fact, I'd prefer you wouldn't bring them up. That, if, even if you knew what the consequences of my decisions were, sometimes I just don't even want to hear it. And I would say perhaps there's a little bit of blind desire in all of us if you're following along in your handout there's a blank you can fill in Um, maybe you can identify times when you just locked onto a desire didn't think about the consequences and the bible would call this strategy in life foolish and so we're in this series we're we're looking at some foolish tendencies this series that we're in is called the usual suspects and it's because there's five different approaches to being foolish in the Bible. If you, if you look through the Old Testament in particular, a lot of times our English Bibles translate the Hebrew words into fool. But if you go back and look at the original Hebrew, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to be foolish. And if you study those words in the original language, there's a profile that emerges for different types of ways that we tend to fall into. So we're, we're in this series to really help us identify some of the foolish patterns that wreak havoc in our own lives, because we run into trouble, and if we're honest, sometimes the trouble that we're in is because of things that we've been doing. Maybe I've got some conflict with a person, or there's a problem that's erupted in my life, or financial difficulty, and in many cases, our own foolishness is a contributing factor if you're if you want to be humble and teachable and look into like the source of your problems sometimes it's comes from within so if we can identify some of these foolish patterns there are some steps that we can take to deal with it deal with the things that's generating more problems and so what's at the root of my trouble well it might be one of these usual suspects one of these usual common ways that we tend to get foolish so this series of artwork this picture that you see it's a it represents a caricature of the five different types of fools and we're now on week three so that guy in the middle represents the the fun way fool but we started by looking at the easy way fool in the bible there's a hebrew word kasil and uh, that tends to be the person that just wants the easy way in life and they'll just kind of sneak around some boundaries to get what they want we looked also at the controlling way fool that comes from the hebrew word avil and this person is reactive and adversarial to get their way. And today, we're, gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to introduce you to the fun way fool. And this comes from the Hebrew word sackle. And the sackle, the sackle fool, basic, his basic approach in viewing life is that I, I'll ignore my duties and I'll ignore consequences and just blindly indulge my desires. There's a specific Hebrew word that that's behind the sackle fool, the sikluth is a Hebrew word um, or sekel, and it really just means blind desire. And so this type of fool says, I want what I want. I just really strongly want this. And this type of foolishness tends to drive some of our actions and our decisions. Um, this fool gets so focused on what they want that everything else seems to fade into the background and uh, actually, this was captured in an old movie called *The Bug's Life*. And so, here's, here's a few seconds clip of *Bug's Life*. The bug, the bug, he couldn't stay away from the light. This is the, he's just attracted to the light. I can't help it it's so beautiful this is actually a great depiction of the sackle fool i have a desire i'm drawn to it i'm going i can't see the consequences and even if people are trying to warn me i'm just going to go for it the sackle fool here's i'm going to give you a few um, characteristics that after studying sackle the hebrew word in the old testament we can draw some some patterns for this person Um, and you might be able to identify yourself in some of it But this, uh, the fun way fool is ready to blindly bolt across God's boundaries. We'll look at Jeremiah chapter 5, and look at a few of the verses here. In verse 21, it says this, Hear this, you foolish and senseless people. So that word foolish is, uh, if you look behind that, that's the the word sackle. Um, They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Let's see if, if we're able to move on to the, Uh, Verses on the screen. Let me know if that's up there. It might not be. Um, So this verse is describing the ability for the sackle to lock onto a desire. And they don't see things that they should or hear warnings that they should hear. And it's it's like, you know, like this person, they have they have eyes in their head, they have ears. Like you could physically say words, but somehow it's not getting it's not getting through. Like the words are not going inside. So so how is this happening? It's kind of like this picture. From another movie that we uh, that maybe you've seen, <laughs> I'm not listening. It's like this: the sackle fool. Like they have ears, but they're, you know, I'm just blocking it out. La la la. I'm not listening. This is from the movie Dumb and Dumber, which ironically the title is Dumb and Dumber. This is a really dumb way to live. That's why it's called foolish. Um, but the the sack of fool, they can't see, they can't hear. They're they're really without understanding. What's really happening is when we get into this way of foolishness, led by our desires, blindly. We we don't have the ability to analyze life. We're not looking at cause and effect. Actually, for for a full blown sack fool, their ability to analyze life is in complete failure. Their moral analytical abilities are not functioning. Verse 22, Jeremiah says this this is God speaking. He says, Do you not fear me? This is the Lord's declaration. Do you not tremble before me? The one who set the sand as the boundary for the sea. An enduring barrier that cannot that it cannot cross the waves surge but they cannot prevail they roar but cannot pass over it but these people have stubborn and rebellious hearts they have turned aside and have gone astray this passage where where God is like saying this this type of foolishness is if, if you look at the ocean and you see how it's got a shoreline no matter how strong and powerful the ocean is and it's a it's a big force it can never cross the boundary lines that God has put in place. The ocean will always break on the shore where the shores have always been. But in contrast, this foolish person, they could see God's boundaries, and they're like, oh yeah, I can break that. I can just walk wherever I want. He says, God says like, don't you fear me? Like, don't you know I've created things And this? Foolishly, sometimes we we just completely ignore, I know God says this, or I know the Bible says that, but I'm just going for it. And that's what God is saying. These people have stubborn and rebellious hearts, they have turned aside and have gone astray. So the sackle fool is is hot to trot, ready to run, willing to cross God's boundaries. In verse 24, it goes on to say, God is saying of this people, they have not said to themselves, hey, let's fear the Lord our God, who gives the seasonal rains, both autumn and spring, who guarantees to us the fixed weeks of harvest Basically, this is saying that that God provides us with rain for food. He provides us for everything in life. Like to acknowledge all that he's doing for us, even now, this day, giving us breath. But this fool says, eh. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Like I'm not thinking about God or what he's created. It's, I'm not gonna factor God into my life. Actually, what God has to say is irrelevant. I'm just gonna I'm um, I feel I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go for my desires. God provides us with these things. And then, and then this last verse in Jeremiah that we're going to look at says, your guilty acts have diverted these things from you. Your sins have withheld my, bound, my bounty from you. This is, God is saying he himself withholds blessing when we walk in this kind of foolishness. Meaning problems happen. We're, we're, having, we're having trouble. We're having trouble financially or with people or decision-making or my health. Like I can't... I have problems i can't figure out things are going poorly and we get mad at god and all the while we don't realize that our current hard times are a result of our rebellion against god sometimes we get locked onto a desire and it could be for a lot of different things it could be for desire for increasing wealth or money it could be for a house Get a really strong desire for a house. It could be for a car, a certain type of car. It could be for pleasurable things like sex or drugs. Or you could just lock on a desire for my vacation or my rest. My desire is to rest right now and not be hassled. Or it could be a desire for a new job or a relationship. I have got to have a relationship. Any variety of things. and. We can become so committed to fulfilling that desire that we're just not seeing. We're not he- we're hearing. We're not listening. We're not even seeing the consequences that are starting to to crack at the foundation of our life. So more re- so, this this is maybe a a way that we can re- relate in, in general. But there's a extreme embrace of this approach to life. If you were to be a, a full blown sackle fool, a, a fun way fool. Uh, it generally turns into people that are addicted. Addicts are generally funway fools, addicted to drugs and alcohol and partying and gambling. Uh, It could be video gamers or even extreme sports. All of this can gain the attention of a very committed funway fool where they're just going and not even thinking about the consequences. So we might gratify desires, enjoy the things we want to enjoy while, while not seeing the damage that it's doing to our health, or to our relationships, or to even the danger that we put ourselves in. So committed sackles go from desire to desire, just recklessly pursuing them. And then, because of that, another aspect of this fool is that they gain a reputation for making stupid decisions. Ecclesiastes 10.3 talks about this type of fool. It says, even when the fool walks along the road, his heart lacks sense, and he shows everyone he's a fool. So this verse is, is describing the reputation that can develop. It says, they, even, even just something as simple as walking down the road, they, they can't even do a simple thing without revealing their foolishness. They make stupid, ineffective decisions, even to life's simplest situations. They're just unable to develop effective strategies for handling life. And man, it really hurts. It hurts when we see people. So, you know, we may be into this type of foolishness, but maybe you know people that are in this type of foolishness, and it, it hurts when you see people making really bad decisions. You're like, man, I wish I could tell you. Actually, I have told you. And it's obvious, like this verse. it's obvious to everyone, this is a bad idea. And, and the, the folly is put on display. Here's another quick video clip from another vi- uh, movie, Two Cartoon Friends. One is taking a dangerous path into the woods, and the other one is saying there's, there's jaguars and snakes, you can't go in there. Check this out. I'm <laughs> Still not listening. This guys, uh, in this movie, this character walks right into danger, despite being warned, I'm still not listening. Um, in, the, in this series, we've we've compared each type of fool to an animal, and if the sackle, the funway fool, was an animal, it, he would be a dodo bird. <laughs> this this uh, the dodo birds are extinct. There are no more of them. They were large, flightless birds that lived on the island of um, Mauritania. It's an island of a place that I can't pronounce at the moment. And uh, these birds were so dumb that they would walk up to the islanders that would club them to death and then eat them. So they just walk right up. And apparently the dodo was pretty good eating because there's no more of them left now. And the consequences, uh, you know, so this, this, is a, this resembles this approach to life. Um, and when we get into this, the consequences just fade into the background. The sackle fool will just take the opportunity to gratify desires regardless of what happens. Another characteristic which is real interesting about this type of fool is um, they tend to have a big talk about the future. In the sackle's mind, they know what is going to happen, and so I'm going to make my plans, and it's a sure bet. Ecclesiastes 10.14 says, Yet the fool, the word fool there again is sackle, Yet the fool multiplies words. No one knows what will happen, and who can tell anyone what will happen after him? Even, even though you cannot predict the future, this type of fool, they just start talking about the future like it's a sure deal. Like, oh yeah, it's for sure gonna roll out just the way I planned, like I know it. This, could, this actually might be part of why some of them get into gambling. They just, they are confident. They see how it's gonna pan out. They'll tell you all about how it's gonna work out, but they really have no idea what they're talking about. The future is God's realm not ours. So if someone comes to you with a surefire investment to double your money in six weeks, I'd be cautious about that. You might be talking to a sackle fool or maybe a predatory fool that we'll look at in the coming weeks. We need to be careful when people start to make claims about the future because God is the only one who knows the future. So what, what can tend to happen if we fall into this is we might enter the sackle cycle that keeps repeating And in 1 Chronicles 21, we actually see a story where where this plays out in the life of King David. So let me show you how this looks. It's very fascinating. 1 Chronicles 21, starting in verse 1, it says, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to count the people of Israel. So David's king, and he wants to take a census and number everybody. And the person... Tempting this wrong act is Satan himself. This is quite an introduction to the story that Satan is tempting King David to take a census. Really, what's happening is he's tempting David to put his trust in what he's built. This would be like, this would be like a, a pastor trusting in how many people go to their church. Like, look at look at myself. Like, look what I've done. Or you could trust in how many dollars are in your bank account. You can take you can take stock, take inventory of the numbers, the relevant quote, relevant numbers in your life and feel pretty good and trust yourself instead of trusting the Lord. And David got locked onto this desire because he wanted to take account and know how secure he was. So Joab, Joab was David's trusted army commander, and he, he knew that David shouldn't do this, and that it would displease God. So Joab tries to get him to stop, but David's not listening, his blinders up, he's like, he's like that character saying, la, 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 I'm not listening, and he just goes for it. Uh, verse 4 says that yet the king's order prevailed over Joab. So Joab left and traveled throughout Israel and then returned to Jerusalem. He carried out, actually pretty, in a pretty loyal position, he actually did carry out the king's command here. So Joab counted, and it turns out there were uh, over a million Israelite men that were able to fight in the army. So David got his number. I don't know if he felt confident about that or not. But verse 7, it says, this command was also evil in God's sight. So God afflicted Israel. David said to God, suddenly he realized what happened. He says, "I, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. Now please take away your servant's guilt, for I have been very foolish. Again, that word foolish in this particular case translate to sackle, this, this fun way approach. And something that I think is helpful to keep in mind when we read a story like this is David was not one of those who was a, a pretty committed fun way fool. Like I was saying, sometimes people really embrace this lifestyle and it just drives them. David actually wasn't this way. In many cases he did pretty honorably before the Lord, but he really, really got off track in this case. And I think it's helpful to remember because, man, that can happen to us too. We can start sackling. We can start locking on real hard to our desires that are out of bounds. And this story reminds us that we're we're all capable of that. And the consequences were terrible. Verse 14, it says, So the Lord sent a plague on Israel, and 70,000 Israelite men died. That's super intense. As a result of David's desire to number the men and trust in the numbers, 70,000 of them fell. And that's what happens in the sackle cycle. There's actually, when when I studied this, there's other men in the Bible we can read about. uh, Jacob, Saul, a few times, sackled. Asa, Ahithophel, and Solomon, all these guys, when you read the story of this sackle foolishness, the consequences generally are devastating. Like, like you'd never, you'd never believe how intense the consequences would be on the front end. So the, the cycle is, and this is on your handout, is, it's like four things happen. I'm, I make an error in judgment. For me, in my case, um, in the gas station, <laughs> my error was... I gotta have this hot chocolate and they'll wait for me (laughs) and uh, that was a big error in judgment uh second thing that happens is i become unrelenting to achieve the goal or to the desire i'm gonna have this goal i'm gonna have this desire no matter what anyone says then we get blind and deaf not just to people but to the consequences that are about to start rolling in and then the fourth Part of this cycle is we experience the devastating consequences. We can get in this and then, man, how much trouble it'll be if we continue to make errors in our judgment and become unrelenting. The committed sackle experiences consequences and, and, and for, the, for the very committed one, it doesn't actually deter them in the future. Um, sometimes they move into the next error in judgment and, and repeat the cycle and this is where if you, If you see people in your life that that get into this get into this desire it becomes very very painful because you can see them repeating the damage over and over Um, they move into the next error in judgment Um, actually sackles according to the bible are known to have shorter lifespans because ultimately their folly kills them their decisions begin to lead in very destructive ways so it's very hard it's very hard to help this type of fool if you have someone like this in your family, or if, you're, or if you're in a people-helping profession, let's say counseling or giving guidance or even ministry, um, you can fall into becoming an enabler for a sackle. No matter what help is given, they will sooner or later shoot back out for that out-of-bounds desire. They will again blind themselves to their consequences, ruin any good that they originally had, create more damage and more horrible consequences but fortunately uh, we see in david's story he didn't get stuck in the cycle like some people do in verse 17 david said to god he, he makes an appeal to god in the next verse he says wasn't i the one who gave the order to count the people i am the one who sinned and acted wickedly but these sheep what have they done Lord my God, please let your hand be against me and against my father's family, but don't let the plague be against your people. This is a pretty bold statement of responsibility. David, he owns it. He completely owned it. He says, I am the one who sinned, which is a pretty hard phrase to say. It's a pretty hard statement to make, especially when you're, you're swimming in the pool of your own consequences, to really own up to that. It's really hard, but David takes responsibility, and he repents. God's desire is that the consequences that we do run into turn us back to him. We can ignore the consequences, but he wants wants that pain to drive us back to him. David turned back to God and repented of his foolishness. David gave us the example that we can look to the Bible for other ways to move beyond the fun way fool. And I'd say there's probably a, a range, maybe a spectrum. You know, I started by saying perhaps there's a little bit of blind desire in all of us. Maybe you fall somewhere on on, this is a common occurrence for you. You just lock on and you go. Or maybe this happens every once in a while. Or maybe you can even think of a time in your life where this just blew up in a major way. But there's some ways that we can move beyond the fun way fool. One of them is to let God's grace motivate self-control. God's grace can be a motivator for us to use self-control. Titus 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness, deny worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. God's grace brings salvation for all people. This is really important for us to understand because there can be a common misconception that Christians at church have it all together. (laughs) It's not true. I think... This common misunderstanding is it's a strategy of the enemy to keep people away from church. The opposite is the truth about people in the church is that we are all sinners. I'm, I'm a miserable, horrible sinner. I sin. I am in constant need of God's grace. I'm in constant need of forgiveness from God and from other people. And I'm saved by God's grace. And so we struggle, even, even we Christians, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, we really struggle to deny ourselves. It's really hard. That flesh is pretty strong and it stays with us for the whole time that we got our bodies. Putting our faith in Jesus is what gives us the power to change. He gave us the power through his grace to have victory over our foolishness. So it's really out of gratitude for what God has done for us, saving us from the pit of hell, sacrificing his son Jesus for our sins. It's really out of gratitude for what God has done that we can live self-controlled lives instead of being dominated by our desires. Another thing to overcome the foolish way is to focus on faithfulness, not feelings. Feelings are very strong. If your desires are anything like mine, they're also very strong. <laughs> our desires and the way that we feel, man, they, those things, our desires lead us away from the work that God has placed in front of us at the moment. The way of righteousness and faithfulness. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, to seek, seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands as we commanded you, so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. We've got to stay in bounds. We've got to get clear on what God has said and stay in bounds. We need to trust Him to bring the good that he, He'll bring us in His timing. It's really hard. You know, those, sometimes the desire we have, maybe it's out of bounds all the time. Maybe the thing we want is out of the bounds right now. Or to, to focus and consume, to just be consumed by it right now is out of bounds. And to really trust God, to let Him bring the desires we want in His timing is really hard. That's very difficult. And instead, to just faithfully do the things that He's given us now, like, man, I don't want to do the things that are in front of me. Like, I just... Most of us know what faithfulness looks like today. I know, maybe I don't know the future, I don't know God's will for all the big things, but at least I know what I should do today. I know, how do, how do I be faithful to God in my responsibilities right now? And we've got to be faithfully doing what he wants, even if it feels like it's leading us away from our goals. Man, my faithfulness right now, it just feels like I may never get the thing I want. So working hard, being responsible... It doesn't feel very good. Being responsible generally feels like eh. In the, in the mundane parts of life, it can feel like we're missing out on the fun, but just, just a steady and faithful living draws the respect of others and it really honors God. And then another, another thing we can do is to become a person of good judgment. This is, this is a great antidote to the fun way foolishness. Become a person of good judgment. Because the key problem with the sackle is that they make poor choices because they're overcome with desire to do or to feel whatever's going to bring gratification in the moment. And this this desire-focused approach to life creates really bad judgment. The desires just cloud our ability to see things clearly. Hebrews five fourteen says, "But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil." trained by constant practice is very relevant, because that means what we need to do is just start putting into practice the things that we know. I can begin to apply faithfulness and patience. I can trust the Lord. Just begin obeying. Just begin obeying the Bible each day. Is there... And so maybe what happens is that as we continually practice and just walk in obedience, our discernment grows. Our ability to have good judgment in life begins to grow. And every time what we stop taking God's word so seriously and we just kind of skirt the edges or step out of bounds, our, our, our judgment and the discernment starts to go down. We also need to get input. Um, that helps with our discernment and our ability to, to grow in judgment. Is getting help and advice from others. Maybe a relationship is just stuck and you don't know how to fix that. Or maybe a work situation didn't turn out the way that you thought it would. Or maybe you can ask a friend who knows a little bit more about the Bible or has a little bit more experience walking out the Bible than you. Ask them out for coffee or hop over to their house and ask them to explain your situation from a biblical wisdom angle and begin to apply that. Discernment and good judgment, which is really, really helpful, it doesn't, it doesn't develop overnight. It's really a process of learning from the Bible and applying it to situations. So I've got a few next steps you might consider taking in response today. Um, One real big next step might be to accept God's grace and commit to follow Him for the very first time. If you have not committed your life to follow Jesus, I invite you to do that this morning. A restored relationship with God is where we get the power to overcome folly. Another next step might be to submit my desire for, and there's a blank there. You can fill in the blank, whatever that desire is. Submit that to the Lord and choose self-control. Do you have a desire that's driving you? Be brutally honest with yourself. Is there a desire that is really influential in your decisions and what you think about? Sometimes, maybe you'll know if it's something that you think about often. Your mind always goes back to that thing. Every day, So at least once a day, maybe many times a day, your mind is on this thing that you want. Be honest. Is that desire driving you? it's very, very hard to let go of those. If you let that desire drive you, you might be completely unaware of the devastating consequences that are just around the corner. If you do let go of that thing and really really just submit it to the Lord, God will be good to you if we trust him. Man, write that thing down and submit it to him. Maybe you might need to talk to somebody at church to help you move beyond that, figure out, how, man, that's, that's easier said than done. How do I do that? Um, but don't get stuck in the sackle cycle. Pull out of that and start to live in the freedom that, that Christ did gives for us. And then the last next step might be to, I'm going to choose faithfulness in, and there's another blank this week. What's, what's one area you need to up your faithfulness? Maybe there's a responsibility that you've been neglecting or maybe a way that your feelings or your desires are getting in the way of you being faithful. Write that down and begin, begin working on that, regardless of how you feel this week. We can take these next steps with God's help, and we'll pray and ask for his help. Um, I want to give you a quick overview of the five fools that we're looking at. This is on the back of your handout. There's, uh, again, we looked at the easy way fool. From Scripture, we see that this, this fool says, I want things easy with no stress, so I sneak and procrastinate, take breaks, and lie. The controlling way fool says, I I will ensure my agenda gets done. And I will react, I'll get angry, I'll get upset, I'll manipulate. This type of fool is very reactive and adversarial. Uh, We looked at the fun now fool. I ignore duties and consequences and blindly indulge my desires. Um, Next week we'll look at the glory now. Glory now fool. This person says, I'll speak and act to impress, to brag, name drop, strut my stuff. This person always wants to be the center of attention right now. They push ahead and even step on people along the way. This is a self-important, exalting way to live and the predatory way fool. Um, This person says, I will cause others pain, especially if I can gain by their loss. So if you're having trouble in life, these are some of the usual suspects where is the problem coming from maybe if you identify your own favorite flavor combination of these foolish strategies um, my hope is that this becomes a a self-reflective series for you um, that you can identify counterproductive things in your life turn and walk in wisdom i'm going to pray in a minute before i do i do want to make a quick um, announcement that the young adult event lunch that's happening next week is actually happening today so it's, uh, you can check your handout for more details as well. But if you want to go to that um, and begin connecting with some people, building some relationships um, that really help you walk in the Lord, that, that would be a good thing to do today. So wherever you find yourself related to these foolish patterns, God wants, help, wants to help and gives us the power to do it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, this gathering this morning. Thank you for the guidance your word gives us. And I thank you that you give us freedom from destructive... Um, really selfish, foolish ways to live, and I've created a lot of damage myself that you know about already in my own life, and you've given me some victory, and I pray, Lord, that I and others here begin to apply your word to our lives, to really trust you more than we trust ourselves, and more than we want to gratify our desires, and find the, the peace and the freedom that comes from that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.